Hello and welcome everyone. You are listening to The Crack and this is the podcast where I ask you what's the crack. So what's the crack guys? Get in touch. <laughs> Forgotten the email address. Not a good start. Never mind. Don't get in touch. Alright, this is a special episode. This is the Halloween episode. <laughs> and my apologies. I'm recording this directly after recording my little explanation as to where I've been. So I've not had a chance to collect any listener stories. So what you're going to get is very rough, quick, off the top of my head, spooky stories because it is that time of the year, guys. It's Halloween. You know, it's the lovely colours, the lovely chill in the air. The, I don't know, time of the year we can start eating soup and drinking hot chocolate and things and get a bit cosy. Get Everything gets a bit spooky as well, you know. The harvest starts to die, you know, everything is this, 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 that kind of mortality sets in. So, if you listen to the previous years, guys, what I want you to do is get comfortable. If you can, turn the lights down. If you're driving, you know, focus. But, yeah, relax. Cup of tea, cup of coffee, cup of hot chocolate, maybe a beer, glass of wine. Roll a joint, get it sparked, get it smoked. Don't vapor do cigarettes, they're just they're just pointless. But relax, comfortable, cozy. I'll just get straight into this. Um <laughs> Like I said, rough very quick, and I think I have sort of used all my ghost stories. So first thing I'm gonna tell you about is a thing called well thing. An area where I grew up. I would go for walks at a place called Loch Garten. Very nice place. Very peaceful, very chill, very good path around the loch. Takes you to another wee loch called Loch Malchie, but Loch Garten itself. When I was a student at uni, I was, you know, like something of Indiana Jones or something, looking through the old library and um, trying to see what I could on folklore and legends and myths and scary stuff. And I found a book. What was it called? It was like Highland Smiths and Legends or something Yeah, something for the area. And I was going through it and there was the Loch Monster of Loch Garden. And I was like, hold on. I go there every night for a run. What is this? I've never heard of a Loch Monster of Loch Garden. You know, you get Loch Ness and you get all these Kelpies and things like that. But Loch Garden, what are you talking about? And so I gave it a read. And... Many years ago, <laughs> many years ago, apparently there was a monster that lived in Loch Garten. And unlike your Loch monsters with the long necks and the dinosaur type appearance or the, the Kelpie, you know, the, the horse, this thing, what was it? Rear half was like a horse, but the front half was like a buffalo, I think. And it was a beast. It lived in the water and it was dangerous. And... It would survive on just what the loch could offer. Fish. Um, which is now what the ospreys eat. But I live in the loch. But then it became a problem when it started to eat, not children, but the local farmer's livestock. They'd come out in the morning and there'd be trucks leading from the loch and they'd be missing lambs, missing sheep, missing calves, missing cows. And that's not good. Once you start to fuck with the money, that's when folk get upset. So, 
and it was decided something had to be done. So a man who lived nearby, he lived in a small hut in the woods, which would be the Abernethy Forests. Forest, it's only one of them. <laughs> he lived there. He decided enough was enough. So, using a massive hook and a slab of raw meat, he attached the hook to a boy, not a child boy, but one of the floats. And he put the hook out on the loch, but the hook was attached to a large chain. And the chain, he wrapped it around a large rock on the loch shore. That night, there was a tremendous thunder and lightning storm. And as this man lay in his bed, he could hear the thunder, hear the lightning, the wind blowing through the trees and the rain hammering down. But beneath all that, he could hear the roars of the monster. The monster had taken the bait and it had the hook that had been caught. So it was roaring loudly, wrestling with this chain and the metal. And as you do, the man fell asleep, went back to sleep. And it went out in the morning. And the storm had passed, everything was clear, it was calm. And he went down to where the rock was, the rock he put the chain on. And he could see where it had been dragged into the loch. So, maybe the creature is still alive down there. Just still attached to the chain and the hook. And this rock has just pulled it down. And one day it will get free and we'll hear about it. But that was the last time there was a bother. <laughs> Spooky stuff. So I read that at uni, and like I said, I would go for a run at night around Loch Garden, and I read that, and then <laughs> later that night I was going for my run, in the zone, going along, and there was a bunch of birds, I've probably told the story before, there was a bunch of birds sitting on the loch. As I ran past, they all flew off at once, and I don't know if you've ever heard a bunch of birds fly off at once from sitting on top of water, but I'll be honest with you, they sound exactly what I imagine a giant fucking half buffalo, half horse would sound like leaping at you, so as I ran past and they flew off and they made this tremendous whoosh noise, um, I thought I was being attacked by some sort of monster, and as you would, basically shot myself and took off, so maybe there's a monster in Lockgarten, who knows, why risk it? The second one I'm going to tell you about, I'm from a tiny wee town called Grantown, and because we're in Scotland, of course, there's a castle nearby, and it's called Castle Grant. Now, I'm not sure exactly what the story is, as every single castle seems to have one of these stories. There's a young lady who lived there, and her father found out she was in love with the wrong man, and... What was it called, her castle? I cut her hands off... Basically, the, the, there's the Green Lady of Castle Grant, and people have seen her, and I believe Andy Mack wrote in with a story. He saw someone there once. But the interesting thing about Castle Grant, I've never been in it. Um, if you walk up by it, there's a bridge you're not meant to speak as you walk over. Because apparently, apparently, she'll get you. <laughs> 
which isn't tremendously unique in a lot of places, especially castles have these types of things. There always seems to be a green lady or a grey lady, you know, they glow and... As I said, it's always something tragic related. She was in love with the wrong man. Her heart wanted what tradition wouldn't allow. But the Castle Grant itself, when my mum was little, it was derelict. After the war, and during the war, after the war, um, well, soldiers had been staying in there. And these castles had wooden floors. And because they'd been staying there, they'd been mopping the floor so much. So when they, when they left after the war, it was empty. And the floor rotted away. It'd be mopped too much. And it became completely inhospitable. You couldn't stay there. Um, so for years, it was just, you know, like something at Scooby-Doo. So my mum, being away, I probably should tell you this, they, you know, the kids, local kids used to poke about and break in and, you know, smoke fags and drink booze and smash one, I don't know, teenager shit. But yeah, this is back when, like, Stranger Things was set, so the early 80s. And they went into the basement once and they broke in and they went down and they had their torches. They didn't have phones, they had torches. And they turned it on and there was one of those big stars on the floor. Oh, excuse that truck driving past right now. Trying to create some atmosphere here, guys. Yeah, there's one of those big stars on the floor that painted what looked to be in blood. And there was headless birds and crows at the points and there was candles and stuff. So they got out of there. Spooky, spooky. And then, years later, <laughs> when I was in high school, I did my work experience with um, the post office. I was a postman for the week. And the closest I've been to Castle Grant, we went up there to deliver some letters. And I told the guy I was with, I told the story about what my mum had seen all those years ago. And he remembered when it was just being sort of re... I don't want to say rebuilt, but when they were doing it up, he'd gone up to help, because a lot of local folk were involved, and, you know, it's always had folk poking about. He went up, and he had somebody there who had a wee Jack Russell dog, and the wee dog uh, followed them. So they'd gone down to the basement, which had involved going downstairs, big stone, probably granite steps, which was where... You know, that's obviously the space my mum and her friends way back fucking 40 years ago <laughs> had found the star. And the wee dog had followed these folk to the top of the stairs, but it would not go down. It stood there and it barked and it wouldn't budge, it wouldn't go down into the basement there. So, sorry I don't have any definitive spooky ghost stories. You know, there was no boo moment, but I get the feeling that dog... It sensed something. It knew something was there. <laughs> Spooky. That's a castle. You know, something's going to be haunted. It's going to be a castle. Especially one of these big Scooby-Doo ones. Although it doesn't really look too much like a castle. I mean, it's... I don't own a castle. It's a better castle than I own it. You know, but it's uh, very boxy. Very big. And I believe the original door got like knocked down by the police when they were raiding it to check. You know, they were looking for like stolen goods or something like that, but fucking knocked down this door. Uh, okay, story three. Let me just try and get through these. <laughs> this isn't a ghost story, but this is one of these um, what a strange world we live in type of stories. So my mum and my dad 
Um, believe it or not, were once young before they were married. Probably what they call the good old days before they had kids. They lived in Australia for a year, as plenty of young folk tend to do. You know, go as far away as possible. And I think because Crocodile Dundee had come out, Australia was very popular at that time. You know, there was that advert where he says, throw another shrimp on the barbie. That's where that comes from. It's, Australia was pushed. Go to Australia. And they had friends that had moved, well, friends that had moved over there years before and married and started a family over there now. And Yeah, they went over. And they ended up in New Zealand for a tiny period. And whether or not it was safer, they were hitchhiking about. And they got picked up, luckily. And the guy was going along and they were chatting and everyone was in good spirits. And that was all very nice. And... This is my parents from Grantown, Owens Bay, Scotland, middle of nowhere in New Zealand, going about. And the driver's very pleasant. Don't worry, this isn't going to be like a turn to the driver as a serial killer. No, it's, it's nothing like that. They're going along, and there's another hitchhiker up ahead, a lone male. And he had a Scotland flag sticking out his back. So the driver said something like, oh, you know, here's one of your mates. Um, they picked him up too. Very cool, all going along chatting away, getting on absolutely fine, and the driver asks the guy with the Scotland flag, so where are you from? And he says, oh, you probably haven't heard of it, it's a tiny town in the Highlands called Grantown on Spey. And my parents sort of look at each other and... Grantown's really small, guys, like, you know everyone. Our silence for a while, and then my dad goes, uh, ah, I'm sorry. No, you're not. And <laughs> the driver apparently starts to look at them like, okay, what the fuck's going on here? It's getting weird. There's no horror twist to this. The guy, he was from an even smaller, tiny, tiny wee village in the middle of nowhere, and he had a cousin that lived in Grand Time, which this guy, my parents did know his cousin. Funnily enough, because it's a very small town. But just of all the places in the world to mention, he said it's the same tiny wee town my parents came from. And uh, they picked him up in the middle of nowhere, New Zealand. Very strange. What kind of world do we live in? <laughs> and there's another thing. What was it in Australia at the same time? My mum met another travelling person. And she had... Been touring Australia on her own, doing her own thing, and she had photographs printed of I don't know just where she'd been, who she'd met, and she was showing my mum. And they were going through just again the whole of Australia, a big, massive, fucking huge place, going through all the things. And then one of the photographs was somebody my mum had gone to school with that this lady had crossed paths with. Strange, strange world, small. <laughs> So that's not exactly a spooky one, but it's just one of those things. You know? Weird. Uh, the next thing I'll tell you about, again, not exactly a ghost story. Um, it's a dream I had when I was a kid. <laughs> so, my bedroom, when I was a tiny wee boy, had a wardrobe, which I was gone 
fucking years ago, but there's a big wardrobe in the corner. Big spooky fucking Narnia. I think it wasn't Narnia, but very 80s, very 90s slim wardrobe. And I had a rocking chair as well. I don't know what happened to that. I think it fell apart. There's a rocking chair. And in this dream, I was watching myself sleep <laughs> in, a bed, in my bed, but from the wardrobe. As in, the wardrobe doors were open just a wee bit, and I was looking out, watching myself sleep. And I was watching for ages. And I can't explain it, but in the dream, I wasn't me watching myself sleep. I was aware I was in the bed. So I don't know what I was watching me sleep. And again, this is like fucking well over 20 years ago, and I still remember it. Eventually, I, I say I, the point of view, so I'll say it, the thing watching me came out of the wardrobe and through the room and moved and hit the rocking chair and then I went over it went over to me and came down on me and that's when I woke up I was like consciousness hit me and as soon as this force came over to me I woke up and the wee boy and I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't scared or upset I was just like oh that was really I've never had that kind of it was so strange but guys <laughs> the rocking chair was still rocking just a little bit So who knows, what was that? Could have been sleepwalking, could have been a creature from beyond. <laughs> Spooky. Probably got a sleepwalk. The what other ghost stories have I got? So a friend of mine, his wife, well, she's a friend of mine as well. Uh, she's a nurse. And nurses have their own superstitions. I don't want to say traditions, but they've all got their own thing going on. And I'm not sure if it was an old folks home she was working in or if it was just a hospital, but there was people there on palliative care from so they were expected to die, which I know sounds terrible, but they were there to be looked after. And um of course, every spooky story, they were in the hospital and it was night shift, so it was the middle of the night. And they were sitting down at the nurse's station. I think it must have been a hospital because it was a long, long hallway. And it wasn't just her that saw this. They, they, they were sitting down at the bottom. You know, they don't say quiet night shift, but there was not a lot going on. They were just waiting for something to happen. And they looked up. And I'll just call her Eva. Just pulling that name out of nowhere. Eva, um, one of the female patients had come out of the room she was in and had walked across the board, the hall and was standing looking at something on the wall right down at the far end and they knew, they knew it was her, they knew her and they all saw her so they very gently sort of Eva? Eva, why are you up? and she heard them she looked down, down the hallway at them and very slowly, she walked back to her room. <sighs> For fuck's sake. Eva's up. 
<laughs> you know, she's meant to be in bed. Um, so one of them went down to check on her. Um, I'm sure you can see where this is going. They went down to her room and Eva had died. Um, I don't think she died just then. It looks like she'd been dead for a while. So who, why had they seen? Was that her saying goodbye? Or had she just, in that moment, climbed back into bed and died? But my friend told me about it. It wasn't like they were scared. There was, I think there is there's a very strange. I think there's a side to folk that deal with death and mortality such, like such an amount. They they get a different kind of understanding and superstitions towards it. Yeah, without being grim, I don't know if you've ever seen a dead body, but it is like something's not there. Obviously, there's no life there, but it is like. Like a spark has gone. Like I don't have any doubt that there is some sort of soul, spirit type thing of seeing a dead body. Just because that person wasn't there. Yes, there was a fucking skin and skeleton and hair and clothes, but the person wasn't there. Something had gone. You know, there, there was something. So I hope Eva, I hope she, you know, Hope she's alright wherever she is, because she's walking across the hallway and walked back again. <laughs> yeah, very strange world we live in. You know? And it seems so many folk have these types of stories, but then I, I imagine some folk don't want to talk about them, because some people don't like this unexplained world. You know, if it can be based in science, that's fine. You can touch it, you can see it, you can feel it, you can explain it, it's on the periodic table. Perfect. But I, I do believe there is more than this. Um, again, I remember as a wee boy, as a, my mother's co-worker, she was telling me the story. Um, she woke up and then I just woke up um, with a start, a bit distressed. And she, she woke up with such a... <gasps> That her husband woke up as well. You know, what the hell's going on? What are you doing? What the fuck? Everyone gets annoyed. We've woken up like that. And she said to him, I have to fool my brother. And, you know, what are you talking about? It's fucking three in the morning. I have to fool my brother. I don't know. I need to talk to him. Okay. So she phoned her brother and he had just... In that moment, he had just taken an overdose of pills. You know, he was still on the couch, waiting for it to kick in. And it's like, got him help, and he lived. But, can you explain that? Is there something else to that? You know, is, is that a coincidence? Arguably, what are the odds? She Apparently, from, I was like five when she told me the story. A weird thing to be telling a five-year-old. But, <laughs> I remember it. You know, I don't know if she'd ever phoned him for no reason about the night, but she did. She just phoned him and she had to phone her brother. Why? What did she feel? And then you get all these kind of unique things. I mean, they're, they're a brother and sister. I think twins have more instances of things like, um, maybe like a connection. You know, though, they'll buy the same birthday card <laughs> for somebody. Um, they'll suddenly just announce they're going on holiday to the same place. And when I was in school, I used to pal about with a 
couple of boys who, you know, they were identical twins. And I remember asking them about this at the time. And apparently when they were very small, they were in the garden. One of them was sitting with their mother. And the other one was down the far end of the garden. And he, the one at the far end, he grabbed a rose thorn, I don't know, you know, the stem of the rose. There's a thorn on it. And when he grabbed it, he pricked his thumb. But it was the wee boy in his mum's lap. He went, ow! His hand was sore. He, he apparently felt it. Was there something there? Who knows? I, personally, I think there must be something going on. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I'll tell you one more story. And I'll leave it with that. This one, again, this is me telling you a story that I've been told that somebody told another one. This is from my mother's English teacher at school. And, yeah, so English teacher, very creatively minded. Maybe this is a wee bit of fiction, but it's an excellent story, so I shall tell it. This teacher, so again, this is when my mum was at school, okay? So we're talking the 80s, early 80s. So I don't know how old this lady would have been back then, but she had gone to school, like something out of a horror film, to one of these all-girls... Catholic schools were run by nuns and however you want to look at it teenagers are teenagers and back then they had <laughs> they'd get a Ouija board or they decided to hold a seance but I'm sure it was a Ouija board so they got a big old table and you know classic horror from late at night make sure all the nuns are in bed and girls were going to spook themselves they got a big table, they put the board out, and they started to do what you do, you know, fingers in the blend of thing, and try and contact the beyond, whether or not it works, who knows, and apparently they got through to a spirit, and they started communicating, and it was a male, they got his name, um, he confirmed he was dead. He was on the other side. And he'd been hit by a train nearby. Which, ooh, spooky. But it's the UK. There's train lines everywhere. So it doesn't necessarily mean, you know. It's a big theory when folk are doing these things. It's actually like an unconscious part of your brain that's moving the wee thing around. But that was how they spoke to this, the spirit of a man. And then... It came time to end the seance or the, the session. And the spirit refused. He wouldn't let them finish, um, which is a bit spooky in itself. <laughs> um, one of the girls ran off to get one of the nuns eventually because they became so scared as to what was happening. And the nun came through and saw what was going on. And you can imagine, oh, holy lord. Um, she ran away to get one of the... To get a man. I <laughs> think we got a priest to come in. I'm not sure, I'm guessing he came in and probably threw holy water over them. Big fucking bucket of it. Splash. He got rid of the... The entity. The presence. And I can imagine the girls got in trouble. But... They had got a name from... This creature... This creature, this fucking 
bien. And when they looked it up, guys, he had been struck and killed by a train nearby all those years before. Um, and the table they'd been using to conduct the little seance, that was the table his dead body had been placed on afterward. <laughs> but I'll leave it there. You know, I'm telling stories of people that have told me stories of someone else's experience. It's not even, not even fair. So I'll leave it there, guys. Thank you for listening. Happy Halloween to you when it comes. You know, there's a new Hocus Pocus film out. Go check that out. Hope you enjoyed them. Sorry this one was so rushed and thrown together. But as always, you know. You guys then talk about getting in touch. Um, there used to be a website. There's not currently a website for the, for the podcast. Um, they expired. They might have paid the to pay the bills. So when it comes to a happy Halloween, watch, watch some scary films or some atmospheric films and buy more sweeties than you need to for the geysers because you get to eat it all when they don't come. That's what I do anyway. Still buy the sweeties. <laughs> My sweeties. Maybe you're dressing up. Yeah, that'd be cool. If you do dress up, tag us on Instagram and I'll check out your costumes. I love Halloween costumes. I love the energy that goes into it. And there's something to Halloween. You know, every culture seems to have something that sort of symbolises the the mortality, the death, the, the darkness. It's fun. Mortality is distressing. So, happy Halloween, guys. Thank you for listening. Alright, you be good. Don't take any shit. I'll talk to you next time. Bye for now.